Well, hello there, HW here, and thank you so much for listening to Episode 6 of the Tone Junkie Podcast. Today we're going to talk about Game Theory, Nash Equilibrium, and King of Tone Prices. That's Segment 1. We're going to talk about the King of Tone, what's going on with it, why is it going up in price. The world is crazy right now. It's crazy for the King of Tone. We're going to talk about that. Segment 2, we're going to talk about Option Paralysis. I think there's too many pedals at my feet, and... I really think small boards have a lot of value. We're going to talk about that too. Too many pedals, how it stifles creativity. This is the Tone Junkie Podcast. Okay, let's talk about the craziness that is King of Tone prices. They're going for 600 700 bucks. What is going on with the King of Tone prices? It's a really unique pedal. Uh, there's some unique circumstances around the pedal. And um, here's how I think it relates to game theory and a Nash Equilibrium. Because I think... We stumbled at least partly on a Nash Equilibrium for a minute. And I think this will help us understand what's going to happen with King of Tone prices going forward. So let me explain. King of Tones have been going for $600, $700 lately. At the time I'm recording this, you can go on Reverb and get um, a King of Tone for about $450 plus $30 shipping. I don't know how long that lasted. I looked this morning. It was there. I don't know if it's going to be there by the time I post this. Uh, So by the time you're listening, they may be going for a lot more. They could be going for less. The world could have ended. Who knows? Maybe you're an alien listening to this in the future. I digress. Let's talk about game theory for a second. For our purposes, we're going to talk about game theory, and we're going to understand it as being game theory, the strategy, the study of strategy, the theory around a game. What game? Triple H? No, not Triple H. Not the game. Not that game. Any game. Uh, Game theory is the study of mathematical models of conflict and cooperation between intelligent, rational decision makers. That's us. We are the intelligent, rational decision makers, and this is the study of the conflict and cooperation between us all. How we play the game. How we strategize to reach our desired end. Within game theory, you may have seen the movie The Beautiful Mind, and there's a gentleman named John Forbes Nash. He had this theory. He said, if each player, it's called a Nash Equilibrium, by the way, if each player has a chosen strategy and no player can benefit by changing their own strategy while the other players keep their strategies unchanged, then the current set of choices, strategy choices, and the current corresponding payoffs constitute a Nash equilibrium. What does that mean? It means that when you find yourself in a simple game of Monopoly, or in this situation, when all the people who are playing the quote-unquote game, who are involved in a situation here, when each of them has chosen a strategy, and it doesn't appear that they can somehow reap more benefit or get to a better end by changing their strategy, and everyone else leaves their strategy alone... What happens is everyone's in a Nash equilibrium, meaning nobody has incentive to change their strategy to reap more reward. And the side effect of everyone else's strategy can often have effects that help you achieve your own your own ends, your own desired outcome. If that's confusing, let's just break it down and talk about the King of Tone, and we'll talk about where we're at and why where we're going, I think, is only higher prices. Who are the players in the King of Tone game? Ooh, maybe we should call it the Game of Tone. The game of King of Tone. Okay, I should stop before I get sued by the HBO Corporation. Um, in the King of Tone game, you can't talk about it without talking about Analog Mike. Now, a lot of people would notice that Analog Mike could be making more money by putting uh, King of Tones up for $400. It would appear that there are a great many people who have no problem paying $400, $500. Lately, we've seen six and $700. 
uh, it would appear that there's no shortage of people willing to pay that amount. So why doesn't analog mic go, well, I'm going to sell my pedal for the highest amount possible. I'm going to put it up there. Because analog's mic strategy is not focused on maximum profitability. That's not the end he's chosen. That's not his end game. Analog Mike has said in a bunch of interviews he's you know uh, he's he's happy with the size of his company. He's not interested in chasing the craziness of the demand, the sort of tomfoolery that's going on on the used market. And so he has decided he has a company. He's going to run it the way he wants. It's about his quality of life. I'm sure he very much enjoys having a list that's two years long, but something tells me he'd be fine if the list was one month long. The guy just wants to make pedals, and he doesn't want to go build some giant company or outsource everything. He already has the Prince of Tone. It's mass-produced. So his strategy appears to be, let's keep supply the same. Let's keep supply the same. Okay, sounds good. Who else is in the king of the game of the king of tones? Uh, how about people who genuinely want to... There's these people. They want to get something at the cheapest price possible. The people who are willing to wait to get a King of Tone, they probably just want to play it. They want to enjoy it. They like the sound of the King of Tone. They heard a video or something. And so they get on the list. The list is free to get on. And at, at some time, they, they will get a, a King of Tone for about 275 After that, you've got people who are speculating. They get on the list. It costs them nothing. In two and a half years, someone will call them up and say, would you like this $500 pedal for 275 Yes, I would. Yes, that would be great. They're speculators. They're going to flip that pedal. And then we have one more group. There's four groups. There's Analog Mike. There's the people who want the King of Tone at the lowest price possible for their own ends. There's people who want to flip it, speculators. And then there's the last group. The last group are King of Tone owners. The King of Tone owners also contribute to the supply side of the King of Tone equation because as the King of Tone reaches $300, you have some amount of people who might say, eh, 25 bucks profit, I'll take that. You might have people at $500 who say, hey, uh, 225 profit, I'll take that. I bought it for 275, now I got it for 220, now I can sell it for 500, I'll do that. You might have people who say, um, uh, how about, uh, oh, 700, I'll sell it there, 1,000, I'll sell it there. They're just keeping it. Maybe they're playing it. Maybe they're not. But at some price, they may be willing to to, uh, to sell. They, they're also on the supply side. And then there's some other people. Actually, I forgot these people. People who, who want a King of Tone and are willing to pay the current going rate. They're willing to pay 400 450 It's not worth it to wait for them. They might be genuine players. They could be speculators. But the most important thing is they're people willing to pay the current price on the used market. So we've got Analog Mike, who's controlling the supply of new King of Tones. We've got uh, people who want to play the King of Tone and get at the lowest price possible. We've got people who want to flip the King of Tone. And we've got people who own the King of Tone. And some people who want to, who will, who will pay the current price for it now. They want to play it, and they're willing to pay the, the elevated price. Who's going to change their strategy here? See, I think we have a Nash equilibrium here, and that... The result of everyone's strategy in this game is resulting in higher prices, which Analog Mike is fine with because he just – I think he's enjoying a longer list. I don't think he cares that much, but he, he's not changing. His strategy is not changing. The people who are waiting for the King of Tone, well, they might wait. You might have some of those people shift from I'm willing to wait to I'm willing to pay the price as the list gets longer. Speculators are certainly not going to stop. As long as Analog Mike is not making any more pedals because of what he wants, and as long as people are getting on the list, 
it would appear that there's more people that want the King of Tone. So speculators are even more incentivized to jump on. And as more as that list gets longer and longer, the more justification to add ask for a higher price on the used market. So more flippers are going to get on there. More people who want to just flip it for a profit. So that list is going to get hugely long. And then we're going to have more people that are going to say, well, I'm willing to pay. I don't want to wait on that long list. You're going to have people who are moving from I'm willing to wait to I'm no longer willing to wait. And at the same time, you're going to have King of Tone owners who are going, well, geez, I like the pedal, but I don't like it 750 bucks worth. I liked it 275 bucks worth. I liked it 400 bucks worth. So I don't think this is going anywhere. I think we have a Nash equilibrium right here. Because I think everyone's strategy is in place to get their best end. And the corresponding result of everyone else's strategy is that prices keep going higher and that list keeps getting longer. I don't know what's going to happen to the King of Tone, but I think prices are going up. Up, 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 up. I think prices are really going up. So what does that mean? Should you go buy a King of Tone? (laughs) I don't know. I have one. And I've been asking myself, at what price would I sell my King of Tone? I'm not sure. I didn't wait on the list. I bought mine for just under 400 bucks. And I'm not sure. So I paid I paid a probably $125 premium. I got it for about 400 It was 400 with shipping. I remember it was like 405 with shipping or something. It was a good deal at the time, I remember, because some of them were going for over four. But, um, you know, I mean, so yeah, I paid $125 premium to not wait. Now, in the back of my head, I knew I won't lose on this pedal. That's, that was my suspicion. I won't lose on it. But should you go buy a King of Tone? I've been tempted. Maybe I'll get on the list and I'll be a speculator. But here's, here's the interesting thing, though. Um, the, the other thing at, at play here is that options have changed. And it appears that some of those, mo- very, those premium King of Tones that went for some of those high dollar amounts that we described, six and $700, they appear to be... Um, uh, King of Tones that are finished in white or finished in black. King of Tones that have um, the order knob on top or that have uh, the jacks on top to change it from uh, clean boost, overdrive, or distortion mode all on top. They appear to be the ones that have four jacks um, so that people can use them with, um, with switchers, with loopers. So what does that mean? Is every king of tone going up in price? I think, yeah, every king, the, the whole category is being shifted up. Is every king of tone going for $600? No, I don't think so. So now we have classes of king of tones. And we've got a bunch of people on the internet asking, what option should I get to maximize my value of the king of tone? And to be honest, purple isn't the most co- popular color in the pedal world anyway. I say this as a person whose logo... Uh, I've chosen to be a monkey with a pink mohawk. Now, I did this because I think pink is vastly underrated uh, in the uh, in the pedal world. I don't see many pink pedals, um, but there are some. But, you know, for me, in a world where everyone is naming themselves their own name, right? Every YouTuber has their own name. They just go by their name. Uh, and in a world where, uh, in terms of Kemper profiling, which is another thing I do, I make Kemper profiles... Um, everyone's like, you know, it's, it's all, everyone has like a cool name or something, you know, it's all like the name of a company and a lot of the symbols are very aggressive. It's a lion. It's a guy with a skull, you know, or, or, or brands are very cool or they're, or they're look at our famous people we have, something like that. I thought the whimsicalness of a, of a tone junkie monkey, uh, was interesting. 
Anyway, I digress. I'll save the Tone Junkie Monkey for another uh, episode of the podcast. But all that to say, if, you, if we analyze the players in the King of Tone, Analog Mike, I don't think is going to change his strategy. He is basically enjoying a long list, and he doesn't want all this craziness to run his business for him. He's after quality of life. He's not changing his strategy. And his quality of life is not going to change as long as there's more and more people getting on that list. And he's resolute to not do anything about it. More power to him. I love that. Love that. I love that he's not chasing his tail. I love that he's not, you know, he's just, I'm Analog Mike. This is what I do. I've been doing this a long time. We've got people who want to play the King of Tone. They have no choice but to wait on the list. That's what they're going to do. We've got speculators. They're always going to be in there. They'll speculate no matter how. And the longer the list gets, the more speculators are going to jump in. And the longer this, the more people who are willing to wait and the longer that list gets, the more it's going to go from the used prices and the more speculators are going to get in there. And it's going to create a loop. And it is creating a loop. And then the more people uh, like myself who own a King of Tone may be willing to sell it at some of those elevated prices. So I don't see any change in sight. Here's a question for you. What do you think the King of Tone is going to do? What do you think the King of Tone is going to do uh, in the future? I'd love to hear your answers on Facebook, on YouTube, anywhere you see this posted. Um, you can find it on the Tone Junkie Facebook page. Uh, I probably won't put this on YouTube. It's not that exciting. Is bigger always better when it comes to pedal boards? I think too large a pedal board, uh, it gets in the way. It stifles creativity. I'm here with the Suze and John 2, and uh, segment 2 Let's talk about big and little pedal boards. What say you, Tone Junkies? Hey. Hey. <laughs> Sue's here. Um, okay, first thought is you don't have to use everything on a big board. That's true. That's my first thing. Is that uh, just because there's, you know, let's say 10 pedals on a PT3 or something, you could just turn on the timeline, turn on like an overdrive, and like it sounds great. You know, so that would be my first thought. Is like there's nothing stopping you from treating a big board like a small board, except when you have to carry it. Carrying it, yeah, that sucks. That's true. You can't treat it like a small board when you're when you have to. Right, the laws it. of physics do apply. Right. Um, of course, there's like the utility uh, of having more pedals to less pedals, or having a smaller board in a smaller space. Like there's value on both sides there. Mm -hmm. I find for me too many options on the board. It stops me from thinking about how I can just play different or how I can use the pickups on my guitar to get maybe a sound that I didn't have before. Like say you go to a verse two or something and you, know, you want to add something different, right? You've been to an intro with some big lead line, you've been to a verse, there's been a chorus. You know, there's always some second verse guitar thing that goes on, right? Mm -hmm. There's some little part. Ear candy. Yeah, some... You know, some like special ear candy that makes the second verse not just like a phone in you know we're doing the same thing we already did mm -hmm. I feel like when my board is too big that's where I start going well let me add a trim is my trim right well I like this trim but then I need two trims because sometimes I want a fast trim sometimes I want a slow trim mm -hmm. or I need okay I have oh my chorus sounds good oh but that's like too warbly so I need like a chorus that does three things so that I can have these different options whereas if I have none of that stuff if I just have overdrives and delays, reverbs, the essential stuff. That's where I feel like, I don't know, maybe I roll the tone knob off, mm. you know, or maybe I try and do something like more rhythmic and I like might palm mute like a little part, you know what I mean? Just to tonally change it, right? Uh, you bring the tone change, like the yeah, like I, like yeah, yeah. It makes it makes I feel like 
it makes me work more and in that there's some payoff mm -hmm. also I feel like on large boards I use like 1% of it that's my problem even on my board which I think is actually fairly small um, what size is your board Oh gosh, I think it's like the, it's like the PT one, two, one or two, one or two, but I, I don't really think about it. It's like, okay, so I have a, a big sky and timeline, which, okay, those maybe wouldn't be on someone's small board, but like to me, big and small just means like you're using a lot of things hmm. where like. You know, I basically have like with the MIDI controller, I have like five, maybe five presets that I would use in total. I don't even usually I, like last time I played, I used one preset on the timeline Big Sky mm -hmm. and one game stage the whole weekend. And I just like what you were saying, I was just playing things differently. Yeah. Digging, dig in harder for more gain, play quieter, play softer for less gain. Mm -hmm. It's like all dynamics from me, not from the board. And then I feel like there's other stuff too where like some people's like main sound is like seven effects where my main right. sound is like maybe three effects, mm -hmm. including delay and reverb. So it's kind of... That's a good point. Like what does the song call for? Like what is the band? Right. And you need all that. And like I've spent so much time with um, a chorus pedal on my board that I never ever used. A fuzz pedal on my board that I never ever ever used, mm -hmm. except for what I'm playing by myself at home. Mm -hmm. Which why am I bringing this to? Why am I bringing this out if I'm not? It's just more weight that I have to carry around. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it, there is sort of like a checklist that forms in my head with pedal boards about like, well, I don't have a chorus, so I'll get this one. Check. Well, I don't have a trim, so I'll get this one. Mm -hmm. Check. Whether I've whether I actually run into a situation where a trim or a chorus is vital is debatable, but I still want to have it there. Because at some point, I've, I realize as we're talking about this, I've never viewed my pedal board as something that should be evolving. I've always viewed it as something that I will complete and I should have every option on. Mm -hmm. And right? the best of each one. And the best of each mm -hmm. one. Sometimes two. Right. <laughs> yeah, I've been noticing too a lot of the rig rundowns like with uh, bands on YouTube. Uh, something I notice with big boards is they'll walk through all the pedals and they'll get to one and they'll say, oh, this is my whatever pedal I use it on this song. You know, so it's like they look at that pedal as like mm -hmm. that one song gets it, you know, right, um, right. which I think is kind of cool because like they're they're differentiating that song by a, a complete pedal. Like an effect is, is saved and like they use it at just the right time. Like I think that that's really cool instead of like like we would think about i'm going to do a five song set mm -hmm. do i have all my pieces yeah. like he's saying like this little like the warp vinyl does an amazing thing on the bridge of the song right you know? and they well, actually that, produce a song that way and that's the thing like when i was in a touring band where we wrote all of our own music mm -hmm. that was what my pedal board consisted of it was this song gets this effect this song gets this effect mm -hmm. because that's how we wrote the song we wrote the song with the effect in mind yeah. like that was the inspiration for the song or for the Sometimes riff or it, whatever. Sometimes it got written because of that effect. Exactly. Yeah. And so when you're in a band and you're playing the same 10 songs all the time, mm -hmm. then yeah, you're going to end up with that, right? And that's why it's like every new album you make, whatever, every new song you write adds one more effect and one more effect. And then you, know, you have to consolidate and then you end up using 
whatever, some rack mm-hmm. stuff or whatever. But when you're going out and you're playing praise and worship and you're playing, you're being asked to replicate any song, then it's more about like, okay, well, what's vital? Generalities. What's vital for this song or what is, um, you know, how can I get by with yeah. this song? Mm-hmm. And I feel like most of the time you don't really need all the stuff. That's my opinion. I'm like a simple I like to like keep it simple, mm-hmm. I guess. That's interesting because one time I uh, did a little record with a band I was in, and all I used, almost the only piece of gear that I used was a guitar, an orange amp, and a deluxe memory man. And there were times where I was getting the like clock sounds out of the deluxe memory man, like turning it up and getting crazy sounds. So then the pedal board became like, oh no, what gives me that sound without bending down? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that was like a Line 6 M9 with an expression pedal right. would let me like do that weird warping thing. So there, yeah. it's interesting. When you record something, right? And, and this is maybe part of the discussion. When you record a project, right? And you sit down and you write those parts. You're maybe not like all wired up to have your full pedal board there. You're just using one effect or two effects or you're going, this effect would be great. And you're grabbing things you might not normally grab. Then like the pedal board becomes... Maybe you do need a larger pedal board to recreate those sounds, right? Um, but what about when you're just, you know, doing other people's stuff, right? Like Sunday morning, we're, mm-hmm. we're doing right. stuff we need. And it's different, funny, the approach, like like uh, myself and John too here have, have, I think we similarly want a pedal to do, it has to sound good with every position on our guitar, right? Sure. I don't really want any overdrive pedals that I go, oh, this nails the Strat neck, but I never use it. When I switch to my telly, it sounds terrible. Yeah. I never do that. So to me, an overdrive pedal or like all my pedals need to like work across all the guitars I want to use. And since I like switching guitars, that's a tall order. But like what you were saying, Suze, it, it maybe it is cool to have some pedals, you know, especially if you're just recreating one part of something you wrote, something mm-hmm. you did in the studio, like pedals can have just one purpose. They do one mm-hmm. thing really well. They don't need to... It doesn't need to be a chorus that you use all the time. Yeah, exactly. And I like the... There's something in me that likes that they're elevating it to that level. Like, I bring this on the road with me. It's part of my big board because Mm -hmm. I love the sound of that. Like, there's something simple about that to me where it's like, dude, you should have that pedal then because, like, it gives you the perfect sound, not like an approximation of whatever that sound was, you know? For me, I also like multi-effects because of this. You know, like mm-hmm. I got that, M- or was it MS-3, the Boss MS-3? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that kind of covers a lot. Like I don't have a Mobius or like, you know, any, I don't have any modulation pedals at all except for that because of that. You know, I don't, I don't want to chorus all the time or a phaser or like a tremolo, but whenever I do, they're in there. And that's kind of the, the big sky timeline thing is like, I don't need a Deluxe Memory Man and a DM2 and a DD7. You know, it's not small, but at least it's, you know, it's giving me a mm-hmm. a, a large uh, amount of options for a little space, you know. H9, a lot of goes mm-hmm. like the H9 just because if you can think of it, or M9, you can yeah. think of an H9 effect, it's in there, and the, kind of the catch-all. Did you have an M5, John? Well, and that, see, as you're even saying that, I'm thinking about times that I've maybe even asked you guys, like, hey, should I get an M9? Right, right. right. <laughs> like, is it worth... The, like, there's one on Reaper for 120 bucks. Right, like, is right. it worth having, or like an M5 or something? Because uh-huh. then you basically have any effect, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> if you need it. If which you I, need it. Which I just got to say, I think the Line 6 used M5 is like a no-brainer. 
They're, it's, they're so cheap on it's Reverb. Like $75. And, and <laughs> the fact that it's a delay and you can just hook up an expression and control any parameter right. or do that to a reverb or a trim, like no, it's, it's a great, I know a guy in town in Nashville, studio guy, he keeps an M5 on his board simply so that he doesn't have to carry stuff like like a tremolo with a tap tempo, right? right. He's mm -hmm. got a trem that he dials in, but if he shows up and needs the tap tempo tremolo, M5 Fair. becomes tap tempo tremolo, right. or it becomes another delay, or it becomes a weird reverb. And so, and so that, and that's the thing is like, I convince myself like, oh, it would be good to have that. But then mm -hmm. I think about the time where I had, for six months, I had a chorus <laughs> pedal on my pedal board that I never ever you know, switched you, on. Right. So then it's like, well, I'd rather put that $120 towards something else then. I'm really surprised that you didn't find more use in a praise and worship setting for the John Petrucci signature chorus pedal. That is shocking to right. me. Not even the flanger <laughs> setting? <laughs> it is no, shocking. It was good. It was, it is shocking. It was a good sounding chorus. What guitar it, player has not like obsessed over, I need this pedal, I'm on reverb, I'm looking at demos, like I need to find this thing. They slap it on their board and they never turn it never on. Never turn oh. it on. The only pedal I would say that I kind of miss is my Pog. Like I have yeah. like a micro Pog and yeah. I that's the only pedal that I'm like, man, like... I did use it a couple times, and it's kind of cool, but I don't know. You know. I've gotten this far without it, and I feel like it's that's that's kind of how I end up. I I always go through the same train of thought, and then end up at yeah, but I've gotten this far without it, so I must not need it that much, you know. I um, don't miss my Pog, but I miss the EHX pitchfork that replaced it because I love that there was a momentary switch. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I almost... Like, How often I, did you use that? In see, in a weird way, I didn't turn my pog on a lot, but I often would just for one part add in a low octave mm. on stuff. And it was almost like because it was a momentary switch, I would just add it in for like four <laughs> notes, less, five notes, yeah. and then it'd be out. It was less commitment. Yeah, it was right. less commitment. It's like <laughs> turning the pog, I was like, it, do I want to turn on the pog for this section? Turn no, not for the, the whole pog. section. But if I just put my foot down here, right. I get a couple notes out All here. I gotta do is walk away and it's off. Boom, you know, <laughs> just lean back. That is not, well, that's Take nice. the weight off. Yeah, gosh. Yeah. I mean, even recently, I've started um, dialing in more like reverb only kind of sounds versus delay and reverb. Mm -hmm. And I've just been kind of experimenting with that. That's kind of the thing. It's like, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, do I need a chorus pedal or do I need this or that? It's like the the big sky and the timeline have so many sounds that I've never tapped into mm -hmm. that it's like that, that's true yeah. you know I could spend all day finding new sounds on just those two pedals right you know a lot of times I already the, have those yeah the know? change that you're looking for is like right in front of you exactly like just get to know your gear you know and use it yeah I think I mean I think it's different for everyone and I think what you're saying, John, made a lot of sense that... H.W., please. H.W., sorry. W is my real name. People sorry. will find out. People will find out. <laughs> we'll edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> no, <Sorry>. we won't. <laughs> um, what you were saying is, like, I feel like a smaller board forces you sometimes to think differently mm -hmm. than to just rely on stacking a million things together and you end up with something on the other end. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of how I approach things as well. Yeah. This seems like a good time to bring up that meme. I'm not sure if you guys have seen it, where it's like, I don't know, some like old school like rock and bands, and it's like plays for two and a half hours, 
and he has like a boss pedal and like a wah pedal. Right. And then it's like a huge, huge board with like a praise and worship guy holding it. And it was like four songs on the Sunday. Right. It's like he's going to play for 18 cumulative minutes with every effect under the uh, sun. And this guy's touring making boatloads of cash it, it's, with four pedals. It's so true, you know, if, if whenever I go into like bars or something and see live music and there's cover bands playing, they never have a ton of gear. It's, ne- mm. it's never a ton of pedals. You Simple. Know? It's very simple. Maybe for no other reason than they had to carry it into that right. down true. the street that is into true. the bar. Yeah, they but they get five by. Blocks. But they get by, right? Yeah, it sounds, it sounds great. great. And, and People are happy. So, big board, little board. Let's vote, Suze. Big board. Big board. You just made a small board, but you're gonna vote big board because you well, like only your big because board. I have a big board. Like oh. if I could only have one, I'd take the the PT two. Well, okay. But See, that's you a, can only bring one. Which are you going to carry out this Sunday? I know well, you're going to take the camera. I'd like but. to find people of this podcast <laughs> to know that I brought my entire PT2 to this session today for two pedals. That's true. <laughs> so I'm not against carrying that thing around. That's true. I did even ask why you didn't just remove the two pedals, but instead you hindsight the whole, the whole flight case and everything. <laughs> right. Um, I John. Well, John. See, that's the thing is that I I think that my board is a small board. But maybe not everyone. What do you have on it? We'll judge. There's a volume pedal. Okay. There's a king of tone. Mm -hmm. That's two. There's the majestic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a MIDI controller. That's starting to not Mm -hmm. look small. We haven't even gotten to the Strymon. A MIDI controller. A tuner. A tuner. Um, And the Strymon Big Sky Mm -hmm. and Strymon Timeline. That's a big board. That's seven pedals. And (laughs) many of those pedals you mentioned are quite large. And that's the thing is like super delay, but, super but, reverb. But here's the and thing: MIDI controller. Two hundred presets. But here's the thing is that you know, I basically because of the MIDI controller, I never touch the Big Sky and Timeline. They they might as well be off somewhere else, right? To my mind, and so that's the kind of thing. Mm. It, it's like I think of small as like I really only have like five sounds, maybe, right? So to me, it's like. Sounds like backpedaling. I don't know. A small board to me is like overdrive, modulation, a single delay, single reverb. Four pedals. Yeah. All right. So that I guess I have a big board. So I guess I vote big boards. I am going to vote because I actually don't have a pedal board built right now. uh, And I have it for some time because I've been all Kemper for a while. Why are we even talking about this? Okay, here's a question. How do you set up your Well, because I I have two boards. They're just not set up and ready to carry out. One is full of overdrives, which is silly. Not a practical board at all. It's literally eight overdrives, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Because why not? How are you going to play Praise and Worship? (laughs) Uh, Loudly and uh, with intention. (laughs) Much game. Um, Yeah, I'm going to... I think I... Have never been happier than when I had a compressor, an OCD. At times I had a boost, and that would change out. And I had an M9, hmm. and my M9 ran delay and reverb. And if I wanted a chorus, I could put it in. If I wanted a trim, I could put it in. That that M9 with my expression was also my volume pedal. Yeah. You know, it also I would put on uh, a volume, uh, you know, little square thing. What are mm-hmm. they called? And uh, so it was my volume pedal, my tuner, it was my delay, my reverb, it was the occasional chorus and trem, and then all I did was use compression and drive, and sometimes a boost, uh, 
over here. But a lot of times I didn't even need a boost. My feeling is if I'm using like a humbucker equipped strap, almost the humbucker is almost just a boost by itself, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think I've been happiest with that little pedal board. And I really should build it again because I really blame you two actually for why I don't have that board anymore. Hmm. Sorry. And I'm you know sorry. what? It's because you brought you guys brought over your Strymans, and I immediately was like, "Wow, those sound better." Twenty seconds in, and they it was literally twenty seconds in, and and they did sound better. But then I no, bought. They still do. They sound still better. do sound better. <laughs> but I bought three Strymans after that. I bought the Strifecta, and I felt like I only scratched the surface with them because. All I did was recreate the sounds I had in my M9 mm-hmm. because I was so happy with those, right? So I was just like recreating my like memory man emulation, mm-hmm. which it does beautifully. The timeline does beautifully. I think we created one. We put it against the uh, uh, mm-hmm. my my deluxe memory Very man. Close. We made one. Was, do you still use that one? It's actually one of my main. Yeah, yeah. yeah I use it. Too. And then we, um, you know, we tried the DM2, right? And uh, we tr- we try to make one of that and. Uh, we should make those available sometime. Actually, all of the settings that I have on the timeline are ones that we made in con- like trying to co- trying to mimic other trying to pedals. mimic other pedals. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the the deluxe memory man, the DM two, mm-hmm. and the I can't remember now. One of the beauties of the timeline is just take all those pedals with you everywhere exactly. you go. Yeah. How do you set up your uh, remote? HW. Yeah, so interesting. I hardly even use everything the remote has to offer because it gives me five sounds, and then in each of those five sounds, or rigs, as the Kemper calls it, there's also four um, effects that you can turn on or off. So if I call up number one, that's one rig, and there's four effects that I can turn on and off. I really use, on a weekend, probably two sounds. Hmm. I use a kind of edge of breakup sound, and then that sound, but with a king of tone on baked into the profile so it's two profiles and I would say I literally on the broken up one just play lighter when I want clean dig in a little more and then I have the king of tone on on one profile and it sounds great from there I can turn on a second delay on either one of those profiles or I can turn on a tube screamer as a boost or have a tremolo turn on, and they're identical on both of those. They're just on the top. So they're just on the top. So I can. So when I cue it up, I've got uh, a. I've got two delays on. I think on both of them, two light delays, and um, if I maybe I've got one on. I can't remember. No, I've got two on, and I can turn one off. And so then I've just got a very straightforward delay reverb and stuff. If I want a little trim, kick it on. I've got mm. tap tempo. I use one expression pedal as my volume technically a small board it's the size of less than three strymons i believe yeah i've got it's a little taller a, one direction but it's not as long as it's three about strymons, a metro 20 it's like 18 yeah. inches or something. yeah it's small so i call it a small board but you know hey, and if it was real pedals like that still would be a small a couple yeah. delays and a yeah absolutely a, booster. a compressor an ocd a tube screamer and an m9 are fairly small yeah. that's four pedals yeah so I vote small board. Two against one. But I do have two larger pedal boards at home that are not wired up. It's good to love pedals. We it's love good, pedals. It's good to love pedals. What else are you going to love? Guitars? Hmm. 
amps. It's so much cheaper to love pedals. It's so much cheaper to love pedals. That's true. That's true. Huge change in your sound for a 150. That's true. <laughs> Big, expensive amps and guitars are moving slow right now on reverb, but pedals are fairly strong. Oh, yeah. Pedals are really strong right now. As evidenced by stuff like the Centura, right, from Seriotone, mm -hmm. the, the exact Klon clone in the same Klon enclosure and everything. You know, people don't seem to be shying away from two hundred plus dollar pedals, three hundred dollar pedals, uh, new. Mm -hmm. You know, as a the king of tone, like we talked about earlier in this episode, going for five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred dollars. King of tones are being listed at. Oh that seems crazy, in an environment where it's actually very hard to move expensive boutique amps, which is one of the challenge of. Uh, doing all these camera profiles right. it's easy to buy them uh -huh. it can be hard to uh to get them out of here and you usually take a little bit of a bath on them hmm. just or hw or hw it's a hard life but someone's got to do it you, you've chosen it mm -hmm. i'll get on you well thank you so much for listening to episode six of the tone junkie podcast appreciate you uh hit us up on uh facebook primarily we're on there you can uh you can find us online, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. We're all over the place. Thank you so much for listening to Tone Junkie Podcast. HW. Suze. John 2. Out.